So you may have experienced this in different ways uh, during the last couple of months and weeks, depending on your context. But there's been this heaviness, I would say, uh, across our culture, across our world. And I couldn't really make heads or tails of it when uh, the pandemic first began. It was it was like I couldn't put words to my emotions, which normally I can kind of do fairly well being a male that <laughs> doesn't always speak so well of how I feel or is not as able to speak well of how I feel. And yet at the beginning of all this, it felt like something was like running interference or blocking me from that. And I don't know if you've had a similar experience, but if you have, or if you've experienced some sense of, man, I can't really seem to get things going. I, I can't connect in the way that I would like to with my neighbors or my friends. I'm gonna offer the suggestion as we begin this evening that what we are all experiencing is a form of grief. Grief is like a universal human emotion. Grief goes all the way back in our history. And grief is simply when we know something before and it goes away. Uh, a wise person once said, uh, all change is experienced as loss. In other words, one of the things that starts the grief cycle for us is this sense of loss. And maybe you've had this happen to you if you've ever lost a job, if someone you love has passed away. That's happened to me in the last year with the loss of my dad. It's a change and I experience it as loss. What we have been through around the world, and especially I think here in the Seattle area, kind of being early on in the pandemic cycle, is this tremendous loss. We've lost a way of life for sure. Uh, millions of people uh, in our part of the world have lost jobs. People have felt adrift, even though they're home, even though they're kind of like planted in a place, there's a sense of grief, there's a sense of loss. I can't see my coworkers, I can't see my colleagues right now. And I wanna just say at the top, like you're in good company, <laughs> if that's what you felt. If you haven't felt any of this, if you're kind of scratching your head and going like, dude, you gotta give me more, otherwise like I'm off, I'm gonna go keep scrolling through my feed, bear with me. All change is experienced as loss. You've been through some kind of change in the last couple months. You've been through some kind of loss. My hope tonight is that as we look at the scriptures together, we might find a way to name that loss, name that change and start to work through it. I have a friend who uh, was a pastor and also served as a chaplain in a hospital here in the Seattle area. And she knows a lot about grief and a lot about loss. She wrote up a post and I just wanted to share some of her thoughts uh, with all of you as we begin, because I thought it was just really helpful. It put into words some of the things that I felt. So again, if you haven't able to relate to maybe some of what I've been saying before now, hear this and maybe you'll be able to relate to it through my friend's words. She writes about how she took her children uh, out to a park because parks, uh, some parks have finally started to reopen here in our area. And so she took her kids to a park. And so she uh, wrote up this uh, reflection and just shared it with people. So I wanna read this to you. She writes, I felt like I should have been happy along with my kids, finally being able to play and enjoy the sunshine. But instead I was surprised to feel tears begin to well up in my eyes. And before I knew it, I was weeping. And with the flood of tears came the realization that I've been so angry for so long. I've been angry at the protesters, conspiracy theorists, people on the left and the right who are making us all feel less safe. I'm angry at the media for egging them on. I'm angry at the way racism and systemic injustice have made even something as profoundly awful as a pandemic feel that much uglier and darker. I think that's a great point. 
I've been angry at the hate and the callousness and the brokenness I see all around me. And what I really needed to do was cry. And so as my friend writes, she did. I needed to lament because my kids can't play with their friends. And I needed to mourn because our world has changed in ways that are so significant that we don't even know what normal will look like at the end of this all. And then she says this at the end in summary. I think we've all been so busy just trying to get through it, so anxious about the present and the future, so eager to find something or someone to blame, we're so ready to fight and attack that we simply haven't given ourselves time to grieve. I think those are profound insights. And if you just tuned in, I was reading some comments that a friend of mine wrote the other day, and I wanted to frame for us this idea that we've all been through a season of grief, and now we have an opportunity to actually do something about it. I don't think we could have done this earlier on in the pandemic. I think it needed to happen now. And I wanna invite you wherever you are to think about this in terms of your community where you live. So for me, my church community here in Kirkland and around the east side, we have an opportunity to step into a new chapter together. Where we have been in this season of pandemic, it's, it's not gonna stay this way forever. As my dad would often say, this too shall pass. Something different is coming and we're starting to see uh, cities and counties and states start to open up. So there's a version of that there, but there's nervousness around that. We need to name what we have lost so that we can move forward. And I think that's something that you can relate to no matter where you are in your faith, no matter kind of what spiritual journey you're on. I think it's a universal truth. We need to name our grief and we need to mark the source of the healing. We need to name our grief and we need to mark the source of our healing. And we're gonna look at how uh, the God of the Bible does that in 1 Samuel chapter seven. So if you'd like to grab a Bible, please go ahead. If not, uh, I'll be reading it to us, so hopefully you don't miss anything. But we're gonna talk about those two ideas, beginning with how we name our grief. So let me just set the scene for us. This is 1 Samuel, this is a book of the Old Testament. This is after the time of Moses, who led the people to the promised land, but it's before the time of King David. So it's in these funny kind of in-between years. And there's a man named Samuel who is leading the people of Israel. He's a judge, but what that meant at the time was he was both a political, a legal, and a spiritual leader of his people. So picture in your mind like a very benevolent justice of the peace and a very skillful pastor, someone who's really good at coming beside people in their deepest, darkest moments. So uh, Samuel is walking with the people of Israel, he's leading them, and there's conflict in his community, in their community as the people of God. The conflict is twofold, as it often is. There's external conflict and internal. The external conflict is all these different tribes and nation states all around the people of Israel are constantly getting into fights with one another. That's just the nature of people. It's, it's as tale as old as time, right? <clears throat> So there's battles between nations in particular, as we'll see later in the story, the nation or the, the people group of the Philistines, which if you remember from Sunday school, that was uh, the giant Goliath was a Philistine. So David will have his battle with him a little bit later on. But we're looking at uh, a conflict between the Philistines and the Israelites. And then there's a spiritual battle going on. I said there's an internal battle. There's an internal battle with the call of God, which is to have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. The great reformer Martin Luther said that all sins in our life are actually a failure to keep the first commandment. We start to worship other gods, we start to let our eyes drift elsewhere, and that causes everything else to fall apart. And I think he's right. And we see that in the life of the people of Israel. So the people of Israel are in a messy spot. 
And so here's uh, where we enter into the text. This is 1 Samuel chapter 7, starting in verse 3. Then Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you're returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods. Get rid of the idols and the idols from among you. He uses the term Astartes, which is a type of pagan god. Get rid of all the foreign gods and the Astartes from among you. Direct your heart to the Lord. That's the key. Direct your heart to the Lord. We'll come back to that. Serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So Israel listened to him, remarkably, and they put away the Baals, that's another pagan idol, and the Astartes, and they served the Lord only. They put it all away. Now, I'm sure it wasn't that simple, like nobody quits idolatry cold turkey, but it happened. And then it goes on, verse 5, Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. They fasted that day, which is an act of worship. And then they said, We have sinned against the Lord. They confess. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. He judged them in the sense that, like, this is my job. I'm here to help you guys start flying in the right path again. This is a remarkable chain of events, right? And this is where we come to the premise of name your grief. The people of Israel are together, but they're apart. They've been broken apart by their sin and by their willingness to kind of look to any other God, any other source of comfort to get them through this tough moment. Have we not done the same? And so what Samuel says to them is like, hey, look, guys, in order to start getting better, you have to name what's gone wrong. This is this is AA 101, right? You got to actually take a ruthless moral inventory and name the brokenness that you're experiencing. And he calls them to that. He may not use that phrase, name your grief, but I think that's apropos for where we are in this moment. He calls them away from idols because they're just empty. He calls them away from forgetting the power of God because when we forget where the source of all power comes from, we don't have any power. We're lost. And what he essentially says to them, like any good pastor, any good leader would, is, are you happy with where you're at? And let me just ask you that, church. I ask this out of love, not out of arrogance, not out of any sense of my own righteousness. Are you happy with where you're at? Are you happy with how far you've made it during this pandemic? Are you happy with the state of your home, your marriage, your roommates, your friends? Are you happy with how things have gone? Chances are there's something that is deeply dissatisfying to you right now. Or there's this sense of grief like we talked about earlier. You've lost something. And so I wanna, what I want to invite you to do, you could put this in the comments if you want to be brave, or you could just write it out, scratch it out on a piece of paper in front of you wherever you are. I want to invite you to write down a place of grief name your grief. Maybe it's you lost your job. 30 some odd million people in our country have lost their jobs. Maybe uh, you're watching this and you're a student and you can't go back to school. You just write down the name of your school or your teacher because you miss them. Wherever you are and whatever is in front of you, whatever you are grieving, write that down. Take a minute and just write it down. Because we've all experienced loss. We've all experienced pain and lament. Just this week, there was a, a tremendous outpouring of grief uh, in many communities uh, over the killing of a young black man, uh, unarmed black man in Georgia um, <clears throat> named Ahmad Arbery. And we talked about that as a church. We prayed for him at our Thursday prayer group and prayed for this whole situation. And God is at work in the grief that comes in those terrible moments that just reveal the racial brokenness in our country. So name your grief. Take a minute and write it down. Name your grief. <clears throat> now, we can't just sit there. Like, 
grief can become like a swimming pool where you just kind of start dwelling in it and you start to sink down to the bottom. I don't want that to happen for any of us. So this is where we start to move on the trajectory forward. Mark the source of healing. Thank you. Uh, somebody commented, I miss hugs. Amen. <laughs> I miss being able to greet people robustly. Like an elbow bump is just not the same. Amen. I agree. Name the grief and then mark the source of your healing. There's this principle in philosophy that says to, in order to be able to get out of a subjective reality, you need an objective power to break you free from that. We're going to talk about the objective power that sets the Israelites free. Samuel doesn't set them free. He directs them toward the one who actually is the source of their healing because that's what good leaders do. And so to go back into the text, the people have worshiped God. They've said, we're going to put aside the idols. We're going to put aside the stuff that we've been spending our life chasing after. We're going to get back to the way that we want to be. We want to be the people of God. And Samuel says, great, I'll help you get there. And then <clears throat> all of a sudden, their old enemy, their old foe, the Philistines, comes running into town, raring for a fight. And so the people of Israel are outmatched, they're outwitted, they're outgunned, they have no hope. And the text tells us, I would encourage you to read this on your own, that God miraculously delivered the people of Israel from a battle they should have lost. They should have been totally wiped out. But God took pity on them, he had mercy on them, he showed grace to them, and freed them from this situation. And maybe we can hope for the same during our pandemic. Maybe we can hope that that same God will come and rescue us and rescue those we love and rescue our world in this season of brokenness. Wouldn't that be incredible? We can't explain it, but God has delivered us. I would love to see that happen. So the people of Israel, they watch this old enemy be defeated. They know it's God that did it. And then once again, their leader Samuel calls them to worship. He says this, I'm going to read uh, starting in verse 12. The Philistines have been defeated. And so Samuel says, the text says, Samuel took a stone, plain old rock, and he set it up between Mizpah and Jehanah, which is where the battle was fought. And he named it Ebenezer. For he said, thus far, the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The towns that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. And there was peace. Happy ending, right? What I want us to pay attention to is this idea of a monument or a marker in time and in space. When I was a kid, we had this big blue Suburban and we would load up into big blue and we would do these road trips around Texas. And wherever we were driving, no matter what, if we saw something, we would pull over every single time. It wasn't just the Dairy Queen. It wasn't just the Whataburger. We would pull over when we saw a historical marker which in the state of Texas are actually these really nice markers with a brown background with kind of cream colored writing and you can see them coming. There's always signs that say marker ahead. And we would pull over and we would look and see whatever that marker was. And it would get a little maddening when we were trying to get somewhere. But the point that my parents taught us in those moments was it's important to know what happened here. Somebody felt like it was important enough to actually create a marker about what happened at this place at this time. That's that's profound if we think about it. We tend to blow by places, we tend to blow by markers in time, and then we just sort of move on to the next thing. But I love the idea of marking a place and a time. And that's what Samuel's doing here. And th this struck me this afternoon. See if, see if you enjoy this as well. 
Samuel did not put the stone down and say, thank you, stone, you got me out of this. The stone isn't the one that gets the credit. The credit is given to the God who rescues them. The stone is merely a marker. The stone is merely a reminder of what God has done and what God has done for us. If you caught that pronoun at the end of that sentence, the stone reveals God's help to us, to an entire community. I think it's incredible. God is the actor. God is the one who brings about rescue. The people are the object of his rescue. And so this Ebenezer, this monument, is all about who God is and what he has done. And so what I want to invite all of you, wherever you are, to do this evening, to do tomorrow, whenever you would like to do it, is to create your own Ebenezer, a DIY Ebenezer. I went into my front yard just a little while ago, and I picked up just a simple rock. And that's all you need to make your own Ebenezer. You just need a rock. Go find a rock, go wash it, get it a little cleaned up, let it dry. If you have kids at home, you might wanna let them paint the rock and do something colorful and fun with it. But I wanna, what I wanna offer as an invitation with the rock is to grab a Sharpie marker and write out the name of someone you've lost during this pandemic or before the pandemic. I want you to write down something that you have experienced that is a real profound sense of grief. It could be something simple, but it could be something that the simplicity of it sort of covers over how deep that desire is. Like the comment I see here, I miss hugs. You should write hugs on a rock because it's something that has been taken from you. It's something that has sort of evaporated into the mist of this time. And I, I pray that the day comes when we get hugs back. Like to be a hug-free society would be such a travesty. But we need to write down the things that we've lost. I know for me, uh, one of the things I'll write down are just my dad's initials, KMF. Because I lost him before all of this. I'm, I'm grieving him in a different way because the pandemic, it's like the pandemic has layered another uh, crust of grief around all of this. Maybe for you, it's uh, the loss of a sense of safety. It's the loss of uh, being able to just kind of do your thing and go wherever you want to go and experience the freedom that we all enjoy. There's a real sense of loss there. Whatever the loss is that is on your heart, I would encourage you to write it on that rock. And then if you live here in the Kirkland area, if you're a part of Bethany or if you're just tuning in, I see some of my neighbors on here. I see some friends. Hey, you guys, thank you for taking the time to watch tonight. I want to extend a real life invitation to you. I want to invite you to take however many rocks you want and bring it up to my church. My church now meets at Inglewood Presbyterian Church up on Finn Hill. And I would love to invite all of you to take a rock, write down something you have lost on it. Make it your Ebenezer. Make it a testimony to how God has carried you through that loss and hold it out to him and then bring it up to church. Bring it up uh, to the campus. Uh, you can put it uh, by the front door or by the side door. We'll have a box that just has the word Ebenezer written on it. And I would love for you to come and just contribute a rock. You don't have to have your name on it. You don't have to have any like marker who this was or where it came from. We'll just know that this was somebody from our community who's experienced loss. And so we'll gather those rocks together over the next couple weeks. And then in a few weeks time, 
we'll have a special service that we'll do online so you can be a part of it where we will take these markers of God's faithfulness. These moments when, yes, we experience grief, but we also experience provision and power and rescue. And we will take these rocks and we will place them in a spot on our church's campus. And we'll pray over them. We'll, we'll, we'll have a time of worship. We'll give thanks to the God who made those rocks and gives us the opportunity to say to him, here you go. Here's our grief. We know you can take it, God. Bring your rocks uh, up to the church or send me a message if you'd like to learn more about this or talk more about this. But I want to invite you to choose to direct your heart to the Lord. That's what all this is about. That's what Samuel called the people to. This is our grief, Lord. This is how we want to offer it to you. And I want us to be able to turn to a new chapter. And I think this is one way, a good way, a tangible way that we can do this together. So stay tuned for more to come. Thanks for taking the time to watch this evening. Thanks for taking the time to check in. I miss you all. I'm excited to see you all again soon. And I'd like to just offer a word of prayer before we go. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the technology that allows us to connect. Thank you for each person on this stream or who's going to watch it later on. We pray, God, that you would use these moments, these days, as a reminder to us of your faithfulness. Help us to name our grief. Help us to mark our knowledge of you as the source of our healing. You are our source. So help us to come to you again and again and ask you for healing and to name our grief and to be healed. We ask this in the name of the healer and the redeemer and the savior, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, everybody. God bless you. Have a lovely evening. Take care.